You're listening to the Rat Podcast. Explore wealth. Different model, a different way, different way of doing business. Mm-hmm. Parts of the country, twenty-four seven, seven days a week. I was just done with the gurus. If somebody gives me thirty to fifty thousand dollars, that should be a lifetime relationship for Podcast Nation. Because if you give me that kind of money, I have an obligation, in my opinion, a responsibility to see you. So, you know, over the years, we've actually grown incredibly close and I've watched her develop our company, develop her family at the same time. Um, she's had, you know, two Division One athletes now in her family, one that's graduated college, one that's just about to start college. And she's got two more probably on the way, you know, in the future. And so, you know, she's been through the, the toughest times in the history of our business. Um, and right now she's living in some of the best of the times in the history of our business. And so I'm just excited to hear what she has to share, hear what she has to say. Um, everyone, you know, Gretchen, say hi to everyone. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here with Dutch and the team. Looking forward to um, sharing a little bit about myself, the company, and answering questions that you guys may have. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, we got a lot of people on for chat. So, Zach, feel free to jump in anytime, my friend, with any questions that people have or anything that's going on. Gretchen, I want you to kind of just take people through, you know, a timeline of, of where you've seen us go from office to office, you know, house from my house to 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 where we are today. And just kind of describe, you know, your even your own personal journey, you know, during those years. Well, as you said, we started out in your garage and I will never forget how I came on board. I was asked to come check out the business on the educational side at that time. Um, to do some educational consulting under Amy. Wasn't really feeling it, and they just kept asking, kept asking. I said, why not? Went, checked it out, got the address, drove up, and um, I had called and said, you guys just sent me to a residential property. And they're like, yeah, this is Dutch's house. And I'm like, oh, okay. Walked in, met Dalen, met Erica, and then there's a whole team there. There was about five of us had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, Pretty intimidated at that point because I come from a completely different background, customer service oriented, but not in the realm of what you guys were doing essentially. So gave it a shot, um, grew from there, and we actually uprooted maybe, what, six months, maybe less after that Mm -hmm. into our first office in Ranch Cucamonga. Um, from there, we grew probably about up to 10 employees with a few interns that um, were under your supervision um, through your baseball program at the college. Um, so it was great to bring them on board and, you know, kind of show them the ropes and started them on their little new journey and path within our company. So so at this point, we weren't an investment fund. Um Amy and I, we each personally did did our own real estate, but we weren't actively doing real estate as a company mm-hmm. at this point. And um, we were a consultant company, and we consulted a lot of real estate gurus and real estate thought leaders, but also internet marketing thought leaders, uh, energy healing thought leaders, um, and all kinds of different fields and, and industries. And so what Gretchen kind of role was at that point in time is whatever educational programs that any of those thought leaders had her job was to kind of translate that off to the students or translate that off to people that were you know wanting to do, having mentoring and coaching and those kind of things so she really had to get this crazy 
I mean, what was the craziest? Was it the energy healing? I think the the healers library group of people, because essentially I was taking an educational workbook, talking to them about funnels, talking about taglines, because essentially we were developing um, websites for them. I had no idea what I was talking about, but I took this book, had weekly calls with them, ran with it. Then essentially, once I finally met you and um, you had taken a step back from the consulting and the traveling just to be in the office more since we decided to move locations, um, this is when you said, you know what, I'm going to take you my the real estate side and we're going to start growing the company. My response was, I don't know anything about real estate, don't know what I would do to assist. And your response was, you're going to figure it out. And that's what I did. Yeah. And it, it was pretty intense because so before Gretchen had joined the company, myself, Amy and, and our former partner, Randall, one of the you know founders of RAD, um, you know, we had we had done real estate education. We had done real estate investing. We had done commercial real estate investing. And then we had kind of pulled back from the investing and went deep into the consulting, maybe from like 2012 to 2015, mm-hmm. 15 to 16 ish. And so in 2015 is when I started the first uh, Regulation D uh, private equity investment fund. And and so essentially, you know, Gretchen got thrown under the wolves. And I think the first task I ever gave you was, hey, I bought this house, figure me out how to get an investment loan on it or mm-hmm. contact these four companies I had three. and get three companies and get me an investment loan on it, which was not her favorite job because now our loan department here's you know five five people and you know people that have been doing loans their entire adult life and those kind of things so that was that was that was pretty crazy and you were pretty stressed out i was very stressed out i was so intimidated not only just because i didn't have the knowledge to get the job done but the fact that you're like these are hard deadlines this should have been done already and i'm like oh my gosh what am i supposed to do so every day asking probably 50 questions, coming back to you, giving me the answers. I'd go back to the lenders. Then we would regroup, and I just felt like I was stuck, and I wasn't moving forward. And then we had a conversation. I needed to bring on a loan officer, and that's when we introduced Caroline to the company, and here she is with us. Yeah, all these years later. All She's now years. been with us for like four, four to five years. Yeah, going on, I think, five years going now. Going on five years. So the amazing part, you know, with Gretchen over the years, and now she's really found a home, right? All of you know, she's our director of investor relations. Um, She manages a great team um, here, you know, with our investor relations. She's also, you know, our our inner circle, you know, leader when it comes to our retreats and our excursions and really relationships. And also the other thing she does is she keeps the inner circle warboard. So the inner circle warboard is, is any new member that joins our inner circle until their first deal done is done and, 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 and they're invested and, and they know that they're going to make a profit and make money, they stay up on the warboard. Um, and, and so she keeps that warboard and, and takes, you know, a lot of pride in one, making sure the retreats, you know, deliver major impact, but two, um, really, you know, making sure that warboard is complete, you know, every cycle. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. We'll share a little bit about investor relations and, and how you came into that role and, you know, and, and now you've, you know, been there for years. So essentially, after Caroline came into the picture, I was able to focus more on um, the new investors that we're bringing on board through um, with the equity fund. As you guys were going on the auction trip, selling the live auctions, you were coming back. These are the new people that joined. So then at that point, my goal was to contact, you know, just, you know, touch 
every investor who came in, established those relationships, asked them what their needs are, making sure they got established from an accounting standpoint for their account statements, you know, to be sent out to them and just really working more so with accounting closely because at that time there was only still about, I think, five of us in that first office. So we were very small, very boutique style. And I think that's one of the things as we've grown as a company that I personally pride myself in because coming from that growth, a small intimate group of us, and then moving to our next office because we just outgrew our first one as we decided, okay, we need to expand the accounting department. Um, we need to expand and start bringing uh, marketing on board a little bit heavier on our side so we can really you know, get our name out there and grow as a company, what it was gonna take. So then we moved to our second office in Upland and it was myself, Andrew, Caroline, um, you, Randall at that time, mm-hmm. and Dalen. Mm-hmm. And still going into this boutique style Um, I just remember all of the meetings you had just with this vision as what you wanted the company to be one day. And you were, it didn't matter what it was going to take. You were going to get it done. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. So through all of the, the different routes and avenues we've taken on with the investors, what are we going to do to make it better? You just continuing to grow internally to get our name out working with Amy, just meeting after meeting. How are we going to make this vision happen, not only for our investors, but for our families? Because with our company, family comes first Mm -hmm. with you and Amy. And that's one of, I hold that near and dear to my heart because you guys have supported every step of the company, my journey with you guys, for me as an employee and for my family. And I'm very appreciative for that. Well, we're just as grateful, you know, for you. And that's, you know, I think there's an exchange that happens in relationships. And over the years, you know, our bond as, as coworkers and, and colleagues has, has grown stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even your your toughness in different ways has grown stronger and stronger. And, and, and that allows you to be able to be, you know, the person you want to be, you know, every every single day. And, and you know, that support that we receive from you, we want to give back to our team over and over and over. And if I said if over the years, anybody who's ever deserved, you know, our support back, it's it's you. And and I love I love that about our relationship and, and the bond that we've built over the years. It's fascinating when we look at, you know, when we were those six people in Upland. And by the time we left Upland two years later, we were, you sardines. know, we were sardines, right? 20, I think we were 17 people, 16, 17 people in that right. tiny office and a tiniest couple thousand square feet. And then, you know, we moved to this office, which is, you know, 9,000 square feet. And then our Florida office is 17,000 square feet. And so we're approaching 70 employees. But back then, your investors were 20 was a big month to 30, but 20 was really still a pretty big month for investors. And then in August of 2021, we brought in a thousand investors in one month, and I think this month in January of 2021, I think we'll do over 500 new investors joining the Rad Rad family in, in this Easy. month, which is which is pretty good. And there'll be many, many, many months this year where that many investors join join the Rad family. And you know, I hope we have another big thousand investors to join the Rad family. So tell me, you personally, how you've handled 
change because because lots of times you there's this age old saying the people that help you get there aren't the people that help you get to the next there and obviously you're a part of you know the family that gets us to the next there and you've been able to change and adapt and you're still going through that some of those changes and so that some of that adaptation and and being a leader but being a servant being a leader being a servant right and that's you know i believe servant leadership is the greatest leadership in the world and but talk people through you like how is that like what's the toughest parts what's the toughest parts i think prior to moving here as we grew within our upland office one of the biggest shifts was the flow or the direction of the company as a whole like where the vision was and how that was mapped out one day it was five of us okay well you need to bring two more people onto your team because as we expand and the rate grows you're not going to be able i went from 200 investors now at that point we were like pushing a thousand this didn't include me managing the inner circle tribe um, of members that we have and those relationships are completely separate and i have very you know close relationships with those members as well as you know i was able to touch them every day with a conversation as we grew as a company and the relations part of it with our REIT investors and the fund investors, the joint venture partners, just everything else that that encompassed with all of our investment vehicles, it was harder and harder for me to be able to continue those daily communications and touching base with them. And that's something I pride myself in because I felt that having those conversations, I was able to establish that trust. And when they had that trust and that comfortability with not only me, manage helping manage their money and you know their long-term retirement they felt more comfortable investing more with us they were more comfortable with referring family and friends to us and that is a big part of our company as well Um, on our side of the company we've gotten so many referrals and that has just been a whole other you know outlet Mm -hmm. of investors that we've gained that you know every single day it's somebody new but being able to manage that part, doing the hiring, making sure that these new um, team members that I've added on are going to be the right fit. Because I know in my heart what I want, and it's easier for me to be like, I'll just do it myself because I was so used to being a one-man show up until I don't want to say I don't want to say like so. Jen was your first correct personal team member, you know, and, and obviously Jen's still with us, right? And um. I don't want to say she was forced upon you, but there was yeah. definitely had to be a lot of encouragement. Yes. And then, you know, how was it that first time Jen handled a phone call with an investor and it wasn't you yourself handling that phone call? I was sitting there ear hustling the whole conversation. Essentially, I had her sitting on a lot of my calls, but I'm like, okay, I'm throwing you out there. This is how I, I learned and I'm going to do the same thing to you because I felt you know, you're going to fail. And it is, I needed her to know it's okay to fail because I've had plenty of my own, you know, that I can count. So you're only going to grow from here. So I sat there and all I could think in the back of my head is my first day when I started back at your house, sitting in the garage, and I had to call this person and I had 
an ex-employee who was my manager, yeah, Mike, mm-hmm. Mike Walker. Mm-hmm. He was literally just hovering over in my ear, talking to me, telling me what I was doing wrong while I'm trying to have this conversation with this, you know, potential investor. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just wanted to hang up. I was ready to die. Like this, I just felt mortified. And I didn't want to do that to her, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that she knew that I was there and it was okay. So obviously after that first call, you know, this is what you did great. I think these are the areas we can improve on. What do you think you could change for the next call? I think that's one of the hardest things managers or people that are developing people, one of the hardest things for them to get is you have to allow people to fail. Mm-hmm. And and that's very a great example, like our social media director just hired, you know, a new person within his department. And, you know, I didn't know if she was being hired and I didn't <laughs> interview her and I didn't see her resume. And a part of me is kind of like, well, like I know hiring and and and, I, and especially in the marketing and the real estate side of the business, I really, you know, pride myself on us hiring mm-hmm. incredible people. And at the same time, I have to say to myself, I have to let them hire and succeed, and I have to let them hire and fail. And 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 you know, as long as you're in a place where failure's taught, then mm-hmm. then you're okay. And so that failure's taught, you know, concept is 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 really really important. Yeah. So that you know. Once I finally got, I was okay with the fact that, okay, I've got this new team member. Now I've got to take the time to provide her with the education and the training because I wanted, I needed her to know that it's going to be a journey to get to where I am and just with the investors and having those different relationships because now you're dealing with different personalities. And I think that's one of the biggest things too. And the best advice that I, I could give that I learned being a manager in different fields prior to working here was I had to learn to be a listener Mm -hmm. because I was so quick to take things personal and I felt like I was being attacked by either that customer or that investor and it's like, wait, it's not you personally. They're just trying to tell you and express how they're feeling and what their struggles are and what I can do to help them. So being a listener is huge and Changing my mindset with that helped me and build those relationships. Just listening, what does this investor need? And that's all it took. Well, and I think, you know, over the years, you understand, like, in, in real estate, in business, nothing is perfect, mm-hmm. right? An investor doesn't get in a statement. An investor got a statement, but they say they didn't get a statement. Right. The email disappeared. Whatever reason, not even their fault, but whatever reason. Uh, an inner circle member has a rehab that takes too long. You know, there's just, you know, endless amount of things that happen and it's going to happen. Right. And and I think one of the things over the years is, is it's very easy to take a small amount of information. Right. And allow it to make you feel a certain way about the whole. Right. right. And so one of the things I've always, you know, prided ourselves on is, you know, take the good with the bad. Right. But also when there's bad is to listen and fix quickly. And I think that's always, you know, been our philosophy is to listen and fix, Mm -hmm. fix quickly and provide, you know, action behind the listening. Because if all you do is listen, right, then it's not, not, not enough. Right. Right. But I think over the years, we've gone from, you know, we're up to, you know, 70 people as a team. um, And we'll probably be at 150 people at a team in 12 to 18 months. And so culturally, we're fighting hard, right, to keep the rad culture, to keep, you know, the inspiration, to keep the motivation, Mm -hmm. to keep the taking care of each other and taking care of the family and taking care of the investors and the students. Right. So, you know, like, how do you feel like we've done with that 
in the last you know six months and and like what do you think we have to do in the next year to, to hold on to that culture i think for me from my standpoint just seeing the growth now my team has grown to four so we've brought on another relations um liaison and then i've brought on a mandarin relations liaison who handles um, our clientele and then we just brought Leah on board as our new inner circle coordinator so she's fairly new to the team so for me being able to manage and make sure the flow there's flow to our department because it's very vital to the rest of the company essentially we're touching now those investors our inner circle members, especially Leah, getting to know them every single day because... Um, I mean, I think your department, for our reputation as a company, right, is is probably... I mean, granted, we're going we're to do our returns. We're going to make our money regardless, but money's not reputation, right? right? I mean, money creates a certain type of good reputation, but I think the people create the real reputation, the relationship on top of the money. And so I think your department's responsibility with reputation is as heavy as anybody's. It's vital. It's in key. the company. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for me is for us to continue the education with the, the staff that we have. Um, you know, you've done a couple trainings with the staff. We've brought in to do management training with all the directors in the company, which I think has opened up a lot of different um, areas where not only personally myself, I can definitely, you know, grow um, as I start managing my team and as it continues to grow, the educational piece is important. And I think bringing, you know, the sides together, you know, we have a lot of new hires. A lot of our new staff don't know each other. Maybe you've said hi in, in passing, but not really engaged enough to really know one another yet. And I think we've grown so fast that we need to be able to understand where every department is coming from and what their needs are so we can make sure that we can work together and have a flow as to you know what you're doing here has a, a direct reflection as to what i respond to you know in a conversation with an investor how vital that information is or vice versa so i remember being in zappos um tony shaves the founder of zappos and god rest his soul um, just, you know, one of the, the thought leaders or one of the business inspirational leaders I've followed during, during, during my lifetime. And he said, called it, uh, collisions. And so he loved to set up within his environment with Zappos before it sold to Amazon. He loved to set up collisions where apartments would have collisions, even, you know, restroom collisions or <laughs> elevator collisions or water cooler collisions, but right. setting up those kind of things. And so maybe, you know, we have collisions in different ways, right. but I think we, we could schedule facilitated, you know, collisions in different ways for to create a deeper understanding of every single day. Because one of my default partner rules, right, and I have default partner rules over the years, right, and I always, you know, Randall as a founder and, and Amy as, as you know, my, my partner today, you know, we've always talked about those rules. And, and with one of the things I always said is my partners are doing more than I ever know they're doing and their intentions are better than I ever realized their intentions could be. So stop whatever you're thinking, right, and go back to those defaults. Because it's so easy when you're in investor relations to say, 
man, those marketing guys get everything they want and they're a little bit lazy, right? And mm -hmm. it's so easy as the marketing guys to be say, man, if those investor relations people just talked to like a little more musical to the <laughs> investors on the phone, they'd be getting more sales and they'd be getting more right. investments, right? And, but it, you know, it's all a symphony and, mm -hmm. you know, but, but it's a symphony with many, many, many composers and many, right. many leads. And yeah, there could be one, you know, director, you know, in the front, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's really about you guys directing. And that's the hardest part for me right. is as we're scaling and growing, I've got to just surrender because I've been such, you know, you know, the last, you know, whatever it's amount of time, you know, and whatever I'm doing, I'm in complete control of and I'm a control freak with it. But then just the letting go right. is really, really probably and hard I think for that, me. That trickles down with us in our departments too. Like me having to let go and be like, okay, Gretchen, it's time. You've got to hire. Okay. Well, I'm, I don't consider myself a control freak, but I wore so many hats for so long. It's like, you know, the inner circle, this is, these are my people. You know, I brought That's Leah. something a control cheek would never say. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like when you're passionate and you care about something, you're going to stay more right. in alignment and more in control of it. Right. When you, when you're not, then, then obviously, you know, you don't need to have as much alignment, you know, with that thing. But I also feel like me personally, by letting go, I've been able to be more connected to the leadership right. than I was even 12 months ago because I let go of some things that, that I was holding on to. Right. And I think our, so far being in the office with the growth, I think our team culture here is great, but we don't necessarily know, like I said, the back end, like what all is social media? Like most people, if you ask them, oh, they just post pictures on social media all day. They don't know the back end of what they're doing as they may not know everything that we're doing, what loans, what all that entails. You know, you have Taylor who, you know, came on with us, what, almost a year and a half, maybe this August will be two years and just came in like a warrior and just took over what needed to initiatives here and, you know, has changed a lot of the culture. In a lot of ways, her just taking the SEC off my hands yeah. was, was heaven sent to <laughs> so me. So she's done a phenomenal job. And I think, you know, Mary... Not a criticism to the people at the <laughs> SEC. I just trying to figure out how to make sure we abide by exactly right. what you guys laid out because we respect you and appreciate what you do to protect the American public, just to be clear. Yeah, so she's done an amazing job with that. Um, you know, Mary and her team have taken on, you know, different team bonding and team building challenges within, you know, our office here, I think, which is great. But again, I just mean, I always having... think, I always <laughs> say like new employees, right, from zero to three months, they're going to kind of suck. Yeah. From three to six months, they start to kind of get their feet grounded. They're shy. And from six months beyond, they, they you know, they can start to kind of, work and move and, right. and succeed and then after a year they you know they, they there's an owner there's, the one year mark there's a special ownership there's a special thing that they take with it but in our company they don't have zero to three months to suck right, right. it's just impossible to come in like I, I you know just give a great example like the like guys in this room like zach you know started and in, in week one is like hey so the podcast our new podcast is beginning next week and you're the executive you know you're the producer and, you know, you're going to be, you know, cutting up clips and doing those yeah. kind of things. And, you know, I he's done done great, and but he's been thrown to the fire. But I also yeah. think fire equals results sometimes. You know what? That's how I was taught. That's how you taught me. You and Amy both pushed me and pushed me, gave me things to do, tossed them out and said, handle it. You, we're here. 
whatever resources you need. But at the end of the day, this is the deadline. You're going to figure it out. And that's how I learned a lot. And you just kept pushing. And I'm grateful for that. In the beginning, I struggled in many ways. And we butted heads a lot through a lot of those earlier transitions. To I don't where ever we were. remember butting heads, <laughs> ever. I just couldn't get stuff done in a timely fashion. And it was just, I'm like, I'm just on the struggle bus here. But, you know, we... Well, let's talk about there there was a moment of breakthrough for us, you know, Mm -hmm. back. I know it was in the before the Upland office. Yes, it was in the the ranch, the rancho office off of uh, Arrow Street. And I remember surrendering to Amy. I said, Amy, I said, I think Gretchen's really awesome, but I can't figure out, you know, how to help her go to the next level. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, she's in a new role doing new tasks during new jobs and and it's hard i said can you can you to can you step in and over the years i've done that with amy a great many times when i get stuck i ask her to step in she's the best a farm manager than i'll ever dream of being so <laughs> um talk about you know that that time and and you know you know what happened and and you know just just you know kind of that breakthrough because from then on you know i felt like you know nothing's ever perfect but at the same right. time i felt like you took on a whole new run like you you took took an ownership with us that was that for me was was different I don't know if it was new but it was it was different I think because I really didn't have an established title and you were throwing so many different challenges you know and tasks to me to do within the real estate side not knowing anything about it and you telling me to figure it out I was at my wits end I'm like what am I doing like, what is my distinct role here? What are you, what am I supposed to be achieving aside from go get a loan? Great. Okay, here's your loan. I finally got it done. Okay, move on to the next one. And I was just like, you know, what, what is the end result here going to be for me? And I think we were just. You never would have thought of what it is, what it is today. Not in a million years. Because in that transition to when we moved even to the new office, after we finally got through, you know, I felt like I was just pounding my head against the wall. I was so frustrated. You know, I didn't know how to communicate with you. I felt, you know, over the years, I called them, you have to, um, once you get to know Dutch, you'll understand his Dutchisms, as I like to call them, and reading between the lines. And him telling you two words means a complete paragraph in a sense and over time as you continue to grow and you're engaged with him more you're going to understand the dutchisms once i established that and really just got down to okay this is what my role is going to be moving forward with these investors is basically sorry any quote we do for like the next (laughs) month should be your picture of gretchen going dutchisms that's what i like to call them um having those relationships with the investors you know it turned into that was going to be my role essentially um then we got into the joint venture partnerships which took on a little bit of that um we really didn't have anybody handling that so okay gretchen let's you know get these contracts done whatnot started taking on that a little bit more and then we pushed through that but i think you and i had finally sat down and just kind of had our come to jesus meeting it was either you know, you can either grow into this role and learn, this is what I need from you, or it's not going to work out, essentially. That's what it came down to for us. And we just hashed it out, 
you know, we talked about our feelings and, you know, you know, my personal, you know, just what I was struggling with, just trying to get out of you what exactly you wanted from me at the end of the day, because it was just a fast transition. Okay, come on, we're going to come over here. We're going to start opening this fund and you're going to start doing this. Well, what does that mean? I didn't have any like real guidance on what my role was. So once we finally established that, it was a game changer. Then I knew what the expectation was. This is exactly what you needed me to do and how we were going to grow. And this was going to be my role. It's it's fascinating because I listen to you and I realize how much chaos, right, <laughs> that that I create, how much chaos, you know, I definitely put our team through, right? And, and I, granted, today it's easy to say, you know, you know, well, iron was forged from chaos, right? But at the same time, right, I never see chaos. And so that's right. that's the, 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 the crazy part about my mind is, like, I don't see chaos. So, like, when I go into buying a farm, you know, for the first time, you know, a, a year, year and a couple months ago, right? I didn't see a chaos. I just saw a farm and all the things that need to be created right. and done on on with, you know, our, our American Survivalist Project, right? Or I said, we're going to launch American Survivalist Project. And I didn't see the poor, you know, Leonard, our, you know, creative director and the chaos I was going to put him through because right. I just see task and, and product and, and the next thing. And I don't, you know, have, you know, any that I know of mental disorders that cause me not to see chaos. I just see you know the vision. You have the visions, yeah. And that was the thing. You're you're always been about visions with the company, and you know we're gonna get there. We may hit some bumps and bruises along but the way, but somewhere along the line, I did start to realize the chaos that I put you guys through, right? And and I got better at limiting your chaos to at least a version of the business, right? Versus right. trying to expose you to the whole chaos of the entire business. So I. Uh, like yesterday, uh, our social media director was working with a couple of the marketing guys, and they were talking about the REIT price. And they were actually, you know, on the wall over here, and they're writing the price. And if it keeps on this pace, what it'll be in two years or four years, or how that would possibly happen, mm-hmm. or different things. And I'm thinking to myself, they had any idea on this side how much we're doing within Taylor's office with the SEC to create overlapping REITs and create right. the different things we have to do, right? They, they would be too much you know and and for me sometimes you know i look at everything and it, it's it's too much it's and then overwhelming. i have to it can be i have to condense it down to what the most important next action is so i got you on on the time my friend what did it say oh, okay so zach you can talk anytime you want brother you know i got you i know you're just being polite um inner circle las vegas is coming up and you've been doing detailed deep planning into that and so talk about you know what a retreat is like actually rather than talking about how awesome this retreat is going to be let's talk about the first time you ever planned a retreat and how how what that chaos was like and how it'll be an incredibly successful retreat but if they only knew what it was like 24 hours before it started talk a little bit about that my first inner circle retreat was actually in las vegas so before we grew to the large inner circle group we have now, it was about at that point, I was at about, I think, 25 to 30 at that time. So we always like to host in a beautiful mansion where, you know, it's a more intimate environment um, with you and Amy and the investors just because it just, it's, you it's know. It's a place to hang out. Correct. And learn. We can, you know, have conver- great conversation, have meetings, 
you know, the other inner circles are able to network with one another. And I think that's one of the biggest, you know, I love that about our group because essentially you come to one retreat. They become close. They come walking out the door like they've known each other for like the last 20 years. And I love that about these trips. Um, so rented this beautiful house, paid for it. I always go online, get them through VRBO, Airbnb. You know, didn't think it was going to be a problem. 24 hours before, I got an email notification saying, what are you talking about? We don't have your confirmation. You know, this house is rented to somebody else. I wanted to crawl in a hole and die. I remember coming to you, and I just have tears rolling down my face like, I'm going to be fired right now. We're supposed to be in Las Vegas hosting this event. What am I going to do? Like, this just blew up in my face. I was literally on my computer the next 24 hours we ended up having to rent a ten thousand dollar a night penthouse at um the palms because that was the only thing available overlooking everything and didn't know if it was going to be big enough to host us but now you get people out there and there's always haters in the world mm-hmm. they're like oh you guys rented a ten thousand dollar penthouse Renting a hotel meeting space is far more expensive. Yes. So it's actually the more much more cost-effective way of doing things. And you get to have a lot more fun at the same time. And I always believe in life. If you can spend the same amount of money and have a lot more time, fun and a lot better experience, then, then better. It's like if I can pay the same amount of money for a house that someone else paid for a house, and right. my house is worth more money and easier to sell, then I've bought the right house. Yeah, so... We came into this just blind. Like I said, I didn't know what to expect, how the setup was going to be, if we were going to have enough room for everybody. It worked out at the end of the day. I think it was a little bit hot in the room just because of all the bodies in there, you know, the air. It just wasn't what it needed to be. Um, we had a chef coming in to bring food. I don't food. really remember the, the temp being yeah. a, a challenge, but maybe others did. We had a beautiful view, it was a beautiful you know, view. of the city. Everybody loved it, but... That was not the goal and that was not the environment I was hoping for because that was where one of the um, Floyd Mayweather, Mm -hmm. that was where his entourage Mm -hmm. was. And so there were people coming in and out, you know, not very appropriate. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is just not the look. It was a beautiful place. It was. And it turned out it worked out, but definitely learned um, from that and just making sure that I always double check everything you know, especially with rentals, because I just remember things happen. I just remember Oscar's face. So Oscar played college baseball for me at Chafee College, and Oscar was just kind of just had started being an intern with us. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating because you know, as I coached, you know, community college baseball as you know, as, as a hobby, right? I had these players, and I would talk to them about life and different things, and I would talk to them about just you know everything when it comes to you know good decisions with employment good decisions with starting their own business someday and everything else there's a part of it they got but a part of it they can never fully conceptualize and if i ever go back and coach again i'll bring my people into my world a little a little bit more i just kept the worlds very separate but i just remember oscar's face when he saw that that meeting space that that penthouse for the first time and then he like a lot of things i'd been training and teaching him for those years while he was playing for me like it all kind of some of it just kind of turned and click and i don't know yeah. if pat was there too i don't think johnny he was, was there one. yeah dalen's son johnny was there yeah. to to help yeah. as well so 
It was, we were, you know, very intimate with mm-hmm. our group and our setting, but I mean, it was, it was great in a sense because you and Amy were just to be able to have those closer connections and those, you know, conversations, you know, it forced a lot mm-hmm. of it, but it was good because again, like I said, our inner circle members, first time meeting one another and they walked out like, you know, new friendships. Cause I'm, I'm great for like a, I'm great for like a window of like socializing or connecting and talking but then like then my window expires like right. my my patience level yeah. for casual conversation i'm not as great at it as as i, I used break. to be better at it but i like i guess as i continue i just get less and less patience that's why you have us there right. we have those conversations but i love talking to my inner circle members when i get to know them and, and our REIT investors when i get to know them it, it's kind of more of like when i feel like it's superficial right then i really it's it kind of grosses me out sense. It's, it's like I never wanted to be the a thought leader or a leader where, like, it was fake. And I hated the fake thought leaders and I hated the fake, you know, communicators because it just, I don't know, but it makes I, my skin crawl. But I think the big difference with our company and our business and how you and Amy have grown it, you are a CEO, you are an owner that is very tangible. And it makes a big difference. Like, you have these phone calls what CEO has phone calls with their investors on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis, if needed to have those conversations about their investments? Again, it's all about that trust and them being able to understand where you're coming from as not just, you know, somebody running a million dollar company, but you are a human being. You are a family man. You are a father. You're about family and taking care of everybody within the company and you know your own but now over the years i have come to you to get paired so gretchen's got grown kids and younger kids yes, right yes i do and and they're spaced out how far between the oldest and youngest uh dariel and michaela dariel's 24 michaela's 17 so seven seven years between. no that's between your oldest and second oldest but yeah. between dariel oh, and bailey oh yeah they're 24 and 11. Wow, so 13 yes. years. So I have brothers that are 14 and 16 years older than me, but I have five and six-year-olds. So I've come to her for parenting advice over the years, especially with um, high-performing, high-intense children because she has very high-performing and very intense children mm-hmm. um, that are very driven. And so I'm just curious, you know, people that are out there that want to see their kids succeed, they want to see their kids make I mean, I think every parent wants that, but there's parents who are consciously, proactively in their kids' lives and present in their kids' lives. And then there's mm-hmm. parents who don't actually completely understand what that is. Not that they wouldn't want to be. Right. But they don't actually fully understand that, right? And I struggle, you know, with, like, being a workaholic, balancing with presence with my children. And, like, I'm a really great dad, I say, for a few hours. And then after that, like, like I get my, like, mind drifts back to, like, focusing on work and job right. and when, career. And you want your alone time. Yeah, and I like my alone time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talk to people about, you know, raising, you know, some really successful, you know, children. I, I, I mean, you know, your, your youngest two, you know, not to say the book's still out on them, but, but they still have a ways to go. But right. pretty, pretty confident Michaela's, you know, deadly on the right track. And, and you know, Dario's already, you know, had a successful, you know, her life is, is, is in the right place. So right. talk a little bit about that, you know, because I think every parent, that's a constant worry for them. I think... So my husband and I have been married going on 25 years. We met in high school. He was an athlete. He played baseball. He got drafted 
you know, we were senior in high school. He played soccer as well, but that wasn't his focus. I played, but I was clearly not the athlete of, you know, they got those genes from dad um, and playing through college and so forth. And he's been coaching on the side for the last 25 years. I think the structure laying that out, you know, you want to be involved in sports, you give 110% effort all the time, not only in sports, but in the classroom, just whatever you're doing, you can have a really bad game. But at the end of the day, if you gave up, if I see you gave 110%, I'm okay with that. You may not win all the time. I'm okay. But having not making excuses for him. I mean, we're very honest with our kids. Like, you know, all of our kids play soccer. Our oldest, she played, she got a scholarship, played in college. She plays on a semi-pro team now. She's in graduate school. Michaela, she's a goalie. She got a full-ride scholarship um, to a university. She graduates this year. She's a goalie. Um, our, my, our kids are very driven because through the structure of being an athlete and just in that world, we've mapped that out for them as well in order to be successful like we're not going to force you to you know to play it's entirely up to you but whatever you decide to do you better give 110 percent. like you're not going to quit unless you're physically incapable of doing so so kids that are driven that way Mm -hmm. right they all hit a breaking point at some point right i agree they're they're all going to hit a point of 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 you know and i didn't have a place when i because i was driven that way and and then I hit a point of breaking, but there was nowhere to turn to, nowhere to go to, right? right. I physically, you know, broke down, and, and I don't know if I ever fully mental, like I didn't have a full mental, but at the same time, there's a point where I checked out of the sport a little bit when I right. physically broke down. How do you handle that with your kids when they go through those moments, or how do you even recognize it when you see that they're okay? This this is that time when when right. when when you got to step in. I think because we are so transparent and honest with our kids, they don't have a problem expressing their feelings with us. I mean, I've we've had multiple conversations with them. You know, they had a bad game or they're, you know, with their teammates and they're just, they feel that they're giving it and the rest of the team isn't. They're frustrated. I'm done with this team. I cannot tell you how many times they've walked in the door like, I'm done. Well, done, why, you know? what's it can't be that bad and then just talking through that conversation it's kind of teaching them how to be a human being yeah that's life Mm -hmm. you know it's not great all the time you're going to have to you know be involved and engage with people throughout your whole life that you necessarily may not like but there's a mutual respect there especially in the working force unless you're your own you know own your own company and you make the rules and you're working for somebody you're going to have to learn to adapt and adjust to that but know that you know it's not you know patty cake as you get older like these challenges and struggles that you have you know and i think it's great when your child is involved in some type of whether it be sports or whatever it is because there is a structure that's set in place and it changes that mindset. But coaching helped me a lot. Yes. Understanding that I had to adapt and adjust being an assistant coach. Like, and that was really hard to be an assistant coach at a junior college when, you know, I owned my own company and I owned my own business. And like, it was the first time in like maybe 10 years mm-hmm. I had to take direction from, like, I really had to take direction from someone. Right. And there was a surrender to that. And, and I was okay. I really have a difficult time following bad leaders, but I'm okay with following right. A good leader you know and 
And so that was that was, you know, a challenge for me as I went through that process. But as I watched head coaches and then I would go back and think of the head coaches when I played and I thought right. of when I coached, you know, at the university level, you know, for those years, I would look at how the head coaches didn't adapt to their players. And I, I would see that as, as a big, you know, I don't, I don't know. I've never been around, been blessed enough to be around, you know, an NCAA champion coach. I've never been around. I've been around some great, amazing coaches, some incredible mm-hmm. coaches, but never the highest level. Right. right. And but in my experience, what I saw is the weakness that was keeping, I think, a lot of coaches from being able to develop their players to their fullest potential was the ability for the coach to adapt to the player because they always wanted the players to adapt to the coach. And so as I run my business, there's a lot of times I want the team to adapt to what I want because there's a vision and there's also things that I know work and don't work. But then at the same time as a leader, I know that I have to adapt to them. Right. I have to adapt to you. I have to adapt to Taylor. I have to adapt to Gretchen. I have to adapt to Caroline. I have to adapt to Andrew. I have to adapt to Vinny, Andrew, Leonard, you know, all of the different leaders in the company. And for all of you leaders that didn't get mentioned, if you listen to this, don't be sensitive. <laughs> and at the same time, you know, that that was big, big for me is that ability to adapt to them. And so that open communication you have and being able to see them when they're in those moments and be able to adjust parenting probably a little bit. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we had, you know, Daryl always said early on, I'm not going to coach our kids because (laughs) having to separate dad watching from the sideline, dad watching as a coach and having those hard conversations. has Has he stuck to that? He has. And he's as he's gotten, you know, as we've grown and gotten older with the kids and, you know, he's been coaching forever. Um, you know, he has other mentors and coaches that he's very close with that have coached our kids through the years and they have those relationships. Um, I think it's great that the kids have those different sounding boards. But at the end of the day, sometimes they think, oh, my gosh, you know, only one dad dad's mean or you know dad always think his way is the best way at the end of the day they respect it and know that that grind and that push has gotten them mentally not just physically but mentally you know where they want to go and some things you appreciate and they don't realize exactly Darielle appreciates it way more absolutely Michaela starting to yes way more than sometimes she struggles with that because again very brutally honest but I think that mentally has you know they're stronger because of it and a lot of kids these days they don't have that um just structure and you know parents want to coddle their kids and not want to hurt their feelings with the truth well you know you're not doing them any favors at the end of the day but i think that's also you know just through life you know micah my five-year-old he's been kicked out of class school multiple times in six months he is a little fighter and I grew up, you know, I was a little fighter, too, so I kind of understand. But the way my dad trained me to be able to control emotion and temper and anger was to push me to the brink mm-hmm. of emotion, temper, and anger. Very, you know, unhealthy. Right. And so I, that's something I deal with now with him is, is teaching him through it, but also laying out consequences for him. I was like, look, if your dad did what you did at school today, I'd go to jail. You know, and, and at the same time, you know, I, you got to balance it because I don't want him to be bullied. 
And I definitely don't want him to be picked on. And, you know, his older brothers, you know, his six-year-old older brothers, you know, a giant. And so that actually giants get picked on. People don't realize that when they're because older kids will pick on them and other kids their own age will pick on them because they're not, you know, in the same exact category as everyone else. My kids will never be in the same category as everyone else. But it's just maybe that dad Mm -hmm. pride. So, you know, that feeling. Yeah. Um, I think we're, you know, any questions that people want to ask, want to jump into? I almost wrapped up without getting feedback from from the crowd and the, the audience that are on. So sometimes they ask questions, sometimes yeah. they don't. So um, I do have a few questions here, but I do have some shout outs to Gretchen here. Alex from Facebook says, I enjoy being with Gretchen. She has one of my soul for our faith. Kevin Thank from, you, Alex. Uh, Kevin from Zoom says that uh, Gretchen is an amazing person and she handles my deals, especially with my self-directed IRA. So shout out to Gretchen. Thank you, Kevin. Um, okay, first question. Do you expect tax auction to reopen as soon as RAD or to go buy properties because of the so this is really a fascinating evolution of us as a company you know six years ago we were tax auction investors in 2018 we started to become rad diversified and kind of what i mean by that is 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 we dove into becoming a more diversified real estate investment company but what that did is it prepared us for the 2020 crash a lot of people don't understand there was a real estate crash in 2020, when the pandemic first hit hard, lenders weren't lending, they weren't giving money to investors. And if they did, it was incredibly expensive. And then there was stagnation in the market. This is before the fast real estate appreciation at the end of 2020 through 2021. And so that prepared us for that to be ready when it was coming because I like, I'm very blessed and I can't always say that it comes from research and study. A lot of it does, but I'm very blessed with it, with instincts when it comes to the economy and 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 really i can't thank anyone but god for 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 that gift and and so i knew something was changing i knew something was coming i knew the market and real estate was changing and so and i just you know monitored you know home builders and i monitor developers and i monitor national housing prices and i monitor so many different things that and then i take in information from thought leaders and gurus that are in the field and industry to to be able so i started to move a little bit away from tax auctions in 2018 when the pandemic hit, the foreclosure moratoriums came and there was no tax auctions for about two years. They're only now starting to come back. But the challenge I have with tax auctions is, is the title seasoning takes time. Now, there's a company called Tax Title Services. A shout out to them. They're a great company. They can help people season title, help cycle things over faster. But at the same time, our model of buying in a highly appreciating economy, of buying with leverage, our lenders paying for our rehab, we're, we're using less of our capital and more of bank capital. And so when investors invest with us, they're only putting in 20% of the capital that we utilize in order to do deals and transactions. And we're using banks and, and companies' money to make everybody money beyond that. And so what's, what's amazing about that is it, the amount of money you can put to work in an appreciating, fast-paced economy is the amount of the returns that you can, is the amount of returns you can make. And so the reason our returns are good is because of that systematic process. Now, if inflation stops, interest rates go up, 1% interest rate isn't going to impact us as a company, but a 5% hike will make an impact on, on, on the market, right? So as I look at things, I'm constantly analyzing. So then we start to shift to more of a cash buying 
company because now we're in a situation where it's all about cash flow. And so you kind of adjust strategies. And so in a cash flow based strategy, we focus more on tax liens and more on tax deeds because in that model, that's a very that's a very good model. And a highly appreciating marketplace, it's not a great model. Can I still buy good cheap properties um, from tax liens and deeds? Yes. But the maximum return is all about percentages. It's about math. And a, and a tax lien or tax deed, you know, after repair value, you know, usually we're 20%. You know, even though we might buy it 30 cents on the dollar, but it's still 50 cents to, to rehab it. Today we're buying at, at, you know, that same percentages, but we're able to use leverage and we're able to use someone else to pay for our rehabs versus having to pay for ourselves. Right. Now the market's changing, so we have to adjust. So I don't know, hopefully that's a long answer to a short question. Um, I'm pretty passionate. I studied that one pretty deeply, so... <laughs> Uh, last question here is, uh, what can we expect at this year's retreat, Icy Retreat? We don't tell you guys yeah, nothing. Those, that's a secret. Dutch <laughs> likes to share that on our first opening day. So Friday morning, make sure you're there on time. The itinerary will be going out tomorrow via email. Um, I will share only the specifics that you need to ensure that you're there bright and early Friday morning. Breakfast starts at 7. Um, full details tomorrow, so look for that. I look forward to to meeting all of our new inner circle members that are going to be joining us and a lot of our you know long-term inner circle members as well um, it's been a while and i look forward to seeing everybody thank you for joining us today yeah it's pretty cool we'll have members that are there that have only been a part of the inner circle a couple yeah. weeks and we'll have members that have been with us six years yeah, so yeah. it's pretty cool but uh thank you gretchen thank you dutch taking you out of your box once yeah. one more time it's nice i like it but you did great and uh we'll see you all soon Thank you for listening to The Rad Podcast, an exploration of wealth. For more information, please visit our website, www.raddiversified.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. 